Hi everyone, this is Tim Martinez, MPEC Healthcare's uh, co-founder and CEO. I'm happy to share with you all that I'll be conducting a weekly interview style employee spotlight uh, so that we can all get to know each other a little bit better and hear directly from the amazing people that make up this organization. I'm excited to, to, to do these interviews and I hope uh, you enjoy them. This week's spotlight is on Kim Sparenberg, Chicagoland Rockstar Nurse Practitioner. Let's get to know Kim. How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. Good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah, long time. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time today. No problem. No problem. Before we jump in, um, I know you've been now with MPAC for two years. So. Uh -huh like 75% of that under this COVID cloud, which is incredible to, to think about. So um, a big, a heartfelt thank you for continuing to row the boat and getting care to our, you know, our patients. So really, really appreciate that. So thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Now off to my hard charging questions. Okay. So, it's been two years. If you can remember back to when you interviewed with MPAC, mm -hmm. um, what was it about the experience or about what we're doing that, you know, made you decide uh, to, to join us? Well, I, my latest experience in nursing was in home health care. Um, so, you know, obviously going to the seniors homes and caring for them there, which is a lot different than acute care, um, which is my biggest background. Um, so what made me come to MPAC is it's sort of similar to the home health care scene, only they're not in their own home anymore, but the same premise, they still need the same care, you know, the same, um, Basically, they need someone to talk to is a, a big part of it. You know, a lot of their families are spread from one end of the country to the other, and it, which is the same thing I ran into in home health care, um, that these seniors are on their own, you know, with no one to kind of have their back, so to speak. Yeah. So that that made me come to MPAC, as well as interviewing with Marianne. You know, she, <laughs> she told me she loved home health nurses, so that helped too. <laughs> She buttered you up. Yes, yes, she did. <laughs> well, you're you're probably getting a good mixture of sort of that that home health, but the acuity of probably in large part what you saw in the acute care setting. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. And between both of my facilities, the culture between the two of them are so different, even though they're only eight minutes apart. Yeah, it's just amazing the difference from one to the other. How do you, just out of curiosity, like how do you balance that because they are so different? Um, some days it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, you just have to basically the drive over is change my whole frame of mind and, and know that, yes, <laughs> it's like, okay, now we're on to the other one. And, and just, you know, the nursing care is so different. The compassion's a lot different in that facility. Um, follow through is a big deal. Um, some days I feel like a glorified babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you do what you got to do for your patients. And, yeah. and that's the place when I get there, I literally have patients waiting in the hallway to talk to me because they, I'm predictable. They know what time I'm going to be there. So they're there yeah. waiting, knowing Kim's coming. <laughs> wow. Well, that's, that brings up a really interesting point because, you know, something that we noticed early on was there's you know, from building to building, from operator to operator, from state to state, even within the same operator, some of their buildings run 
so different, right? The culture in that particular community is so different. Lots of factors, right? Geographic resources, whatever the case may be, access to, you know, quality staff. So part of what we've noticed and what we've been driving for is that continuity and that like reducing the variability of care once impacts on site. So you can go from one building, right, where you maybe have a little bit more support and things run a little bit maybe calmer to one, eight minutes away where you have to be probably the calming force. The beauty is that the patients in both those communities are getting the same high level of care because you're there, which is, which is awesome. That ultimately is what we're trying to accomplish. So that's, that's really cool. Good, good. I'm glad I'm making a difference. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, as we roll out, we've been, we've been investing a lot of time and resources in a data platform. So as we roll that out, we're going to start to have scorecards so that everybody can see the true difference in, in numbers and outcomes that, you know, each of our individual providers are driving, which is, which has been really, really awesome to see. So I'm really excited to roll that out. So more to come on that later. So two years, mostly under COVID, really tough environment, especially in, you know, some communities more than others. Um, can you think of an experience or maybe a theme in, in what you do on a day-to-day that has been impactful either for you or for your patients or something that stands out that you'd be willing to share? Um, one thing that stands out with the families not being able to visit, the picture I think that they have of their loved one in their mind is from two years ago. You know, and, and in our elderly population, yeah. things can change in a week, let alone in two years. Yeah. Um, so we've been running into a lot of trouble with, you know, patients starts to decline or, or showing more cognitive changes, just more physical changes. And the family is just not willing to accept that, you know, they, they're in denial. That they're this- like, hey, they, were, they weren't this way last time I saw them. The, right. the problem is you saw them two years ago. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. So I had one patient and, and we were going back and forth and, and care conferences and I had social services involved with me nursing the DON um, and this poor patient, she had just had enough. She's like, I have no quality of life. I don't get out of bed. You know, she, her physical deconditioning kept progressing. Her cognition was starting to progress, even though she could tell me what her wishes were. Yeah. Um, and she had been back and forth to the hospital numerous times with dehydration, um, you know, just the AKI and stuff. And, and she just told me, I, I don't want to do this anymore. She, what had prompted this was she finally quit eating. And so when talking to her, this is what I'm finding out. So then I talked to the family and the family's like, well, we want you to do everything you can. I get that, but this is what mom's telling me, you know? And, and so between FaceTime calls and this and that. And I spent a lot of time over probably a, close to a month between the patient, family, social services, um, you know, the doctors involved. And we finally got the family to see, hey, look, mom, this is what mom wants. You know, it's been almost two years since you've seen her. And they finally agreed to DNR, hospice care. And, and the patient was so relieved. And when I go see her, I mean, she would just hold my hand and tell me, thank you every time. So that, that made a huge difference. You know, it, for me as a person, knowing that I could do that for them, that's what it's all about. hundred percent. I mean, that, that hits on all the important parts of this, right? What, what the patient's wishes are, modern medicine has evolved enough to, we can keep people alive for a really long time. And it doesn't mean that we should though. Um, 
So her wishes were heard. Her family was educated. Hopefully they got rid of that guilt that they were going to feel for not doing everything they can for their loved one, which is, you know, something that I think we need to be better at as a society, but we're, we're, we're improving. Yeah. And, and, and ultimately she got what she wanted and we got to take out all those traumatic back and forths to the hospital, which is also where all the healthcare costs, right. Go out of control for no real benefit. There's no, no improvement of quality of life for her. Right. Uh, it's quite the opposite. So that's, that's a perfect story. I love that. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. That was, that was a big one in the last yeah. three years. I mean, there's been several, but that was the biggest. It was, you know, time consuming, but the, the outcome was worth it. Amazing. Amazing. All right. So tough environment, right? You have multiple people to answer to. First and foremost, there's the patients. And of course there's the patient's families. They always have opinions. There's physicians involved. There's the, you know, the, the administration of the communities that each of you all work in. A lot of people to please, not an easy space. It's changing, but um, clearly a lot of value to be delivered and a lot of, a lot of good things to, to come out of it, um, but, but not easy. So in order for us to continue on our mission, we need to continue to, um, you know, have Marianne butter up the uh, Kim Sparenbergs and convince them to, to come here. Right. Um, so that's, that's part of the battle, but the, the other half is, is keeping you here, making sure that you're in an environment where you feel supported and the flexibility works for you and you feel, you know, rewarded. So ultimately what keeps you at MPAC? Um, a lot of it is the flexibility, you know, um, my kids are a little older than most people in the company, you know, they're, they're 18 and 14, but they still have things going on, you know, um, more so my 14 year old and my 18 year old, but the flexibility that I can still be there for them and, and rotate what I have to do here versus at home and being able to balance both. That's a huge, huge factor. <laughs> um, you know, you're, so you've got that flexibility. Um, I enjoy what I do with MPAC that, that makes a big impact on staying too. You know, Absolutely. you have to enjoy what you're doing. Um, you know, the, I mean, I never have an issue with my RVUs. Um, so there are days that it gets a little crazy. Yesterday was one of them, but, but, you know, for the most part, then I can back off because, you know, I got to focus on or, or catch up from yesterday, or I want to revisit this. And, and so there's a lot of flexibility and just our day-to-day -day stuff, you know, and, and being able to address acute problems as they come along and, you know, maybe make it up tomorrow if you don't hit the RVUs today. And, and so there's just so much flexibility that, I love it, you know, and everybody makes you feel so welcome at MPAC, you and Anne and Marianne and Eileen and <laughs> Justin. I mean, everybody is like being part of a family rather than yeah. a corporation. Good. Well, I'm happy that's working. Um, and I'm glad, obviously, that, that you stay and that it's working for you. Um, you brought up the RVUs, which is when we started, everybody was doing encounters. So it didn't matter how sick the patient wanted. It, it was how many patients were seen that day. Mm -hmm. And that just didn't make sense, right? Because we had these buildings where people were as more longer term, maybe a little mental health, not as sick. And then we had buildings that were, you know, people were literally just came off the ICU floor and arguably maybe should still be there. Um, that required a lot of time. And so that's when we moved to the, the RVU model. Ultimately, what we want to get to is with the data that we're putting together, go to the payers and eliminate the whole tracking of anything other than 
outcomes. Did we deliver right at the end of the day, regardless of how much time was invested or who was seen or how many times a day somebody was seen, all these ridiculous right, ways we have to work around healthcare today. Ultimately, right, did Kim spend enough time with that patient and get their family educated on DNR and get those patients' wishes delivered on, which ultimately drove better outcomes for the system and everybody won and pay us on that so that we can pay our clinicians that way versus, you know, document every single instance. So um, when we started eight years ago, it felt like that would, they would never be here. Um, I think we're getting closer and closer, like it's palpable now. So um, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll get there, you know, sooner rather than later and, and not have to talk about RVUs or anything like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be nice. <clears throat> In the meantime, you know, it's the part, part of the system we have to work under and uh, hopefully we've tried to find a, a good enough balance where it's not just, right, um, not just volume driven, but really value of care driven. And, um, and that seems to be working all right, um, all things considered. Yes, yes, especially during time of COVID. <laughs> especially during time of COVID, man. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Um, I was, I was, you know, safely at home behind my computer, just not even, just making sure we had enough PPE and education and information for everybody to, uh, to figure out, figure this thing out. And hopefully, it sounds like we're on the tail end, or it looks like we're on the tail end finally. But hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully soon back together in person for some meetings. I think those are starting to happen regionally, which is good. Mm-hmm. So. Um, hopefully a big, big impact party uh, at some point once everybody feels comfortable. Right. Yes. That would be nice. Yes. Yes. Get to see each, everybody again. Right. Um, in the meantime, it's the new way of seeing people, which is via Zoom. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> which we got really good at over the last two years. Everybody rocks the Zoom now. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, really appreciate you taking the time. Um, and thank you again for everything you do for your patients and MPAC and for being a part of the team. Great. Thank you, Tim. Great seeing you. Great seeing you too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.